Hello and welcome back to Curiously Polar, the podcast about all things very north and very south. And uh, with me, well, I'm Chris Marquardt and with me as usual is Henry. Hi, Henry. <laughs> Hi, Chris. I have to, nice I have to, to have you. I have to relearn this intro thing. Ah, okay. Um, this, this show has been a lot about climate change and things. We're talking about something completely different today. Uh, we're talking about... A new, a new continent, a different continent, a seventh continent. Uh, take, take us there. <laughs> <laughs> Basic geography. Basic. Uh, ge <laughs> no, yes, we have, <laughs> we have seven <laughs> continents on planet Earth. What planet are we on anyway? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today we are on planet Earth, and um, we are talking today about um, the seventh continent under the ice. So we want to talk a little bit about um, Antarctica. The big unknown under this big sheet of ice. Because there is stuff under the sheet of ice. There is not just ice. There is doesn't float just on the top uh, of the ocean as the North Pole region does. Uh, there is no, a, I mean, there is a continent there. There there is a continent. That's a major difference between North and South. In the North, we have a big um, chunk of sea ice floating on a big ocean. Less and less, so, but still big. Yeah, and in the south we have ice sitting on a continent, and uh, that continent is actually quite large, and the whole place itself is a place of extreme. So Antarctica is extreme; it's the southernmost continent, and it hosts the coldest temperatures ever um, directly recorded on our surface. We are talking about uh, bone chilling minus eighty nine degree Celsius. Minus eighty nine. Okay, let, let me let me translate that for our American listeners. Um, That's a negative 128, roughly Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Yeah, wow. And they got they got recorded at Vostok Research Station um, from Russia, so which is also uh, home to the windiest spot on the planet. Uh, I know that was a different station. That was Mawson Station, where we have wind speeds of 248 kilometers per hour, roughly 150 miles per hour. But it's not it's not always that cold there. No, not always. That's just the the records. Because I'm because I'm thinking. Okay, I'm a nerd. I'm thinking. Okay, there are superconductors that might work at this temperature, so we can put big power plants there, and everything would be solved. All the energy crisis would be solved. Yeah, but and you have also to transport the electricity, right? Oh, that was my minor little detail there. Uh, okay. Well, we can think about wireless um, transfer of electricity, then it might be possible. Sat satellite energy, yes. Yeah, that's uh, energy 3.0. <laughs> I, I, but I think geostationary satellites don't fly well on, at, the, at the poles, I No, not, indeed not, yeah. Well, all right, um, anyway. The whole continent contains 90% of all the ice stored on Earth in an area which is just a little bit less than 1.5 times the size of the United States. 90%? And this is amazing. 90% of the ice and roughly 80% of the fresh water of planet Earth. So this is amazing if you just see this huge big unknown and people were um just randomly tuning into that podcast just go onto a globe or just open a book uh, an atlas and just have a look down at the south it is very rarely shown um in its entirety it's very rarely put into scale 
And that's very, very sad because it's a very, very special place. We have huge amounts of ice there. Find a, find a map that looks that doesn't look at the at the world from a uh, from an equatorial perspective, but uh, one that looks at the South Pole straight indeed straight indeed. down because then you kind of get an idea how big this place is and as a child we were thought that the south pole sits on a continent and the north pole doesn't because antarctica has land underneath it that's what we're going to talk about today while you might grow to accept this distinction it's still hard to imagine the frozen continent as anything but a giant sheet of ice that makes it very very difficult for us well it, we, it's kind of hard to find the land because it's very very there's a very thick ice cover on it well actually when you go into expedition cruises you will land um on land right at the edges foremost. but in the center of it you will probably have to dig quite a lot to, to but go who to the is ice. going to the center of antarctica i don't know i haven't been there yet so why because it's far away <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get there and it's expensive we can, we can probably bridge that gap as far away but it is expensive it's uh, quite dangerous you need quite some some um experience some preparations some training to to get there um it's something very interesting when you look at the underlying bedrock and there are some maps out there i would love to um to put them into the show notes um we have some some very nice um, findings there. And the most important finding probably is that we have um, kind of a um, two, uh, yeah, two parts of Antarctica. We have two different sites. We have the, the eastern part, which is like a big continent. It's a big landmass. It's just all together containing a lot of uh, subglacial rivers, a couple of lakes. And we have the western part of Antarctica, which is significantly smaller, and it's more like a number of islands. So we have actually um, the, the majority of western Antarctica below sea level, while the entirety of the eastern Antarctica is above sea level. And that makes it very interesting when you think about the ice sheet laying on top of it. That makes it quite um, interesting for scientists. So Western Antarctica is much more explored than Eastern Antarctica because the your vast majority of uh, expedition cruises, for example, are going to Western Antarctica. It's much easier accessible through uh, South America. It looks a little bit like the Antarctic Peninsula is the extension of um, the tip of South America, and that's not wrong. And they used we, to be connected sometime in the very long past. Indeed, they used to be connected. How? Well, the, because because they were part of the same continent, I guess, until until that uh, until the sheets started drifting apart. This is exactly that. So Antarctica used to be part of the supercontinent Gondwana, and all the surrounding continents are joining or sharing the same origins. So the Eastern Antarctic crust is a mishmash of old cratons, which are fragments of southern Australia, for example. Besides that, we also have parts of southern America and southern Africa in Antarctica, which we can find in the bedrock. And that's very... Um, exciting in uh, in two things first of all in a tectonic um 
environment when we just think about that the crust of earth is just contain containing out of um a lot of uh, your crustal flows they are basically just flowing on molten bedrock and we are we are convinced that the the bedrock we are walking on is solid it's solid rock it's um unbreakable for us it's it's very difficult to to think that this is flexible but it's as flexible those plates are changing constantly and they are changing the um the the landforms which are above sea level so gondwana used to be a, a large supercontinent in the southern hemisphere and antarctica was one major part of it and that's um very exciting for geologists it's very difficult to get to those conclusions because as you mentioned already and the people out there probably know we have a big sheet of ice on top of it how thick is that oh i think i remember about several kilometers yeah we're talking about four, four and a half kilometers on, a, on on its thickest part so we have an average between uh two and three kilometers so that's that's massive it's a massive piece of ice sitting on top of it so you have to um execute some major effort to um drill through the ice to be able to get onto the bedrock has it been drilled through uh to the bedrock at its thickest point uh, i'm not sure if it's the thickest point but what we have and um, that would be one of the following episodes um we have executed an ice core drilling which um got as deep as 2.5 million years back Okay, because deeper means well further back in time because the ice has been um, growing from the bottom. It has been growing, but it's also compressed. So the deeper you go, the more compressed it is. And um, that means that um, you don't need that much of a depth to go through more years. So okay, give me that number again. How many million years have we drilled back? 2.5 million. Okay. And there will be an, an episode just on that ice core drilling project awesome. because that's awesome. just super exciting all right so we have some record there we'll have an, a special episode about this what other superlatives do we have about antarctica oh they found a huge canyon so we think grand canyon in the u.s is the largest uh, natural rift on it's our huge. planet it is huge but they found a trench that could rival this mighty feature but it's also really putting it into scale they found in a 2010 expedition a canyon which has no name yet it's over 100 kilometers long <laughs> what it's okay more than nine kilometers wide and reaches a depth of more than 1.6 kilometers that's a, a depth mile of 1.6 kilometers <laughs> it's just insane that's amazing to be fair when we talk about climate change and melting glaciers i would love to stand at the bottom of that canyon and just be stunned by the sheer size of it without the glaciers but of course i also enjoy the glaciers on top (laughs) but 1.6 kilometers deep that's that's huge yeah, it, it, I think Grand Canyon is in that same range when it comes to depth, but I think in its its width, um, it might be different. So, the thing is that scientists are not sure that they have 
um, explored the canyon in its entirety. So they speculate it ah, okay. could be even larger. How do, how do you even explore something? I mean, this is under an ice sheet. I mean, you can't just melt the ice and have a look. Um, do you know what techniques they use to do that? Yeah, they they use radio hacking. Um, so they basically there is one big project which is well known. That's the NASA Ice Bridge uh, ah, project, so which comes to an end in in this year. So they're actually flying with planes in a low altitude and just sending out radio hacking. And um, yeah, just uh, the, the echo is bounced back by bedrock and ice differently. So they actually can. Um, not only see the bedrock underneath the ice, they can also see the different density layers of ice, which is interesting to um, forecast ice streams, for example, so surging of ice uh, of ice layers. Um, you can give ideas about the age of ice layers by the by its density. So all of that um, is a result of that radioactivating project. Um, there are numerous projects going on from, from different countries, different research um, institutions, but the, the, the best known is the IceBridge project from NASA. Wow. Do we know how many how many researchers are on Antarctica right now? Um, right now, I think in summertime, we're talking about 5,000. I'm not really mm -hmm. sure. Okay, so that's a huge continent with uh, almost no one living there. Other than oh, the, there, there's the no one permanently life. living there. That's the, the the most important information. No one is um, permanently living there. There are some settlements, so that's a very nice geopolit uh, geopolitics um, episode about uh, countries who try to make a claim without making officially a claim, <laughs> like Argentina and Chile, they are just battling each other for uh, for years. So are, they, both are, they have, looking, are they looking for natural resources? Well, they mainly look for an extension of their of uh, their countries. So, um, so they want to extend their territory into Antarctica without causing uh, international clash of some sort. Indeed. So we, we have this Antarctic Treaty system, um, which, yeah, freezes all political claims until 2048, until it technically is open for renegotiation. Uh, re um, but we have to go into that a little bit more in detail in different episodes. But um, both countries have started uh, building up research stations which are not only research stations so basically uh, civilists uh, civilians are living on those stations not involved in research there are uh, children born on Antarctica um, and by that both countries try to make their claim Okay, and, and by the way, um, there is an episode of Curiously Polar, episode 31, that is about the Antarctic Treaty. Um, maybe you and I, we could do an update sometime to oh, yes, please. Uh, bring it, bring it, bring your perspective into it as well. So I just found a current number. So in, in, in wintertime, we're talking about a thousand um, uh, research stuff being on Antarctica. In summer, it's about 5,000. So that's a big, big difference. All right. So... Antarctica, the the content of superlatives and uh, interesting stuff there. Thank you, Henry, for bringing that to us. Always. It's a pleasure. All right. Everyone, if you want to know more, there is a lot of content on CuriouslyPolar.com. We have uh, 76 other episodes out there about all things that you can think about, or most things. 
And uh, if you have an idea about something that we haven't talked about yet and that you might want to hear us talk about, then let us know. You can find ways to contact us on CuriouslyPolar.com. You can fo follow us on Twitter and contact us there as well. We are at CuriouslyPolar there. And uh, that's it for this. We will be back with another episode next week. Until then, take care. <laughs>